Hey there, I'm Pete Townsend, and this is Money Never Sleeps. We look inside the minds of entrepreneurs and at the crossover of startups, enterprise, finance, technology, and life as we know it. This episode of Money Never Sleeps is sponsored by Philip Lee, one of Ireland's fastest growing corporate law firms and expert advisors at the heart of the Dublin and London startup, fintech, and crypto communities. This week, we've got a special Money Talk segment recorded during the second edition of the Finsight Series virtual event that I moderated recently, hosted by Navirum and Salesforce. In this conversation, We've got an all-star cast with Rory Galvin from Navirum, Kerry Ryan from Salesforce, Christian Maynard Phillip from Pattern Financial, and Joe Parkin from BlackRock. The key idea with this discussion is that so many pieces of the wealth management process have become digital, but many have not. How do we go beyond wealth tech to accelerate to the next level of truly digital wealth management? Or do we need to? The stellar crew share a lot more insights and stories as well, all right here on Money Never Sleeps. Hey everyone, this is Pete. As happens from time to time, recordings don't always work out the way you want them to. So we've remastered this discussion with some intros we did after the original webinar. Just to provide some background, in the first edition of the Finsight series, we took a broad look at how financial services upstream of consumer finance were either becoming digital or were challenged to become digital, in particular with wealth management and institutional banking. In the second edition we packaged into this episode, we took a deeper look at wealth management and exactly how far we can digitalize it, keeping in mind that widely different demographics are driving the demand for both the continuation of conventional people-oriented solutions and also the scaling of technology-driven solutions. So let's get into the intros. Joe, how about you? How about you give us a little intro, yeah? Thanks, Bobby. Absolutely delighted to be here. My name is Joe Parkin, and I run our banks and digital business. Uh, BlackRock. BlackRock's one of the world's largest asset managers and provides technology and investment solutions to clients uh, across the globe with a mission of delivering financial well-being to our clients' clients. My job on a day-to-day basis, I spend a lot of time helping clients across banking and digital channels, businesses, building better investment and technology solutions so they can power their clients more fulfilling uh, and better financial outcomes in the very long term. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Kerry? Good afternoon. I'm Carrie Ryan, Industries Marketing for Financial Services at Salesforce. In my role, I work with sales, products, and innovation teams to develop marketing programs that support the digital transformation and business growth of both wealth and asset management firms globally. Fantastic. Thanks, Carrie. Rory, over to you. Hello, everybody. My name is Rory Galvin. I'm the uh, CEO and founder of Navirum. We're a financial services a consulting company and a Salesforce registered partner. Um, so delighted to meet everyone today and share some ideas on the future of wealth management and how technology is enabling companies to become more competitive and more disruptive um, in the post-COVID world. Excellent. Thanks, Rory. Also joining us on this episode is Christian Maynard Phillip, founder and CEO of Pattern Financial. Pattern is a new type of robo-advisor with a humid layer, and they're launching in summer 2022. Before founding Pattern, Christian was a chief compliance officer of Cash App Investing with Square and was also in leadership roles with Acorns and Vault Investing in the U.S. From here, we'll roll right into the discussion, opening with my question to Joe Parkin from BlackRock. Joe, when you and I caught up last week, you said that it's, it's never been about digital or human. You gave me a good quote from the book, Good to Great. Can you maybe share that and perhaps link it back to the, the higher level theme of a hybrid approach here to wealth management? 
Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, for those of you who haven't read, uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins, absolutely worth a read. But as part of that, he says, technology cannot cause greatness. It can only accelerate or accentuate it. And I think that just, to me, kind of sums up where we're at in, in many areas of kind of wealth management, you know, today, where really technology is... It's looking at how do we build better portfolios. It's looking at how do we scale advice and advisors. It's looking at how do we reach more clients. And then it's also looking at all the data and operational kind of efficiencies that exist behind the industry. I think it's really important to realize that, that in the context of this question, I think there are going to be some services and some cohorts of clients doing a certain area of wealth management that are going to be able to do it completely digitally. So if I think about opening my first investment account, I'm 25 years old. I know I need to start saving for a house. How do I do it? Or I've been talking to friends or whatever. I'm going to do that almost completely digitally. If I then move to a situation where I'm starting to think about retirement, or I'm starting to think about, you know, how do I put aside money for my children or uh, what's the most effective way to inheritance tax, then like, it doesn't mean I don't need a digital interface. And it also doesn't mean by the way that I shouldn't, like my advisor shouldn't have, be able to triage me and get all the information he needs digitally. But it's going to come. It's going to. It's going to absolutely need uh, a bit of a hybrid approach. So I think at the moment, uh, and we're getting better at it. But at the moment, it's either been you're either a robo or you're kind of a traditional wealth manager, and nothing's really met in the middle. Now, of course, there are examples in the US, highly successful examples in the US where this has worked, and you have combined together that that sort of hybrid approach, which I think is super important. But I think I think you know, like the medical industry is starting to get this really right, right? Which is, and I think we should think about it the same way within the wealth management space, an advisor or, or a, a banker or whatever you want to call it is that doctor. And we really, really, there's only a limited number of those. We don't want to, you know, every time you've got a cough or whatever, we don't want to put you straight in front of one, but how do we use data to better triage and then deploy the specialists at the point of necessity, not just all the way throughout. And I think then we can start to create better outcomes for clients better outcomes for the people serving those clients and, and, and just a better run experience. So, you know, for me and my perspective, like it, it's, it's, it's about how do you deploy that to the right segment at the right time. I'm with you. I wouldn't with you Get, getting that balance right again, like we said, is absolutely critical. And I, I, I think that, you know, getting better with digital overall, maybe this realization that a human solution is sometimes the better solution we might not be able to digitalize everything. There are things that are just not meant to be digitalized, even the handshake and, you know, yeah. uh, hopefully the days of elbow bumps and, you know, fist bumps are, are well, de depending upon your own personal choice, obviously. And P, I think what we've done previously, right, we try to digitalize the person, which is completely the wrong way to look at it, right? Like you can't digitalize the person. What you've got to do is use technology in order to help that particular person, which I think is the key element yeah, I saw today in your neck of the woods, Joe, St. James Place Wealth just announced, I think, 200 virtual reality headsets, Oculus headsets, Oculus Quest headsets that they were deploying to their staff for training and how to, and with these virtual customers and teaching them how to actually engage with customers in the virtual world. And that, that obviously turning that into some feedback for these wealth advisors. So taking things to the next level with digital, obviously being a, being a good example there. What I'm thinking of though, with, with looking at, you know, like I said, not being able to digitalize everything, there's still going to be better ways to leverage technology. Like I just mentioned these VR headsets, but that's not always going to be the answer. There's going to be a whole heck of a lot of people and demographics that, or you and I spoke about the first time that would be like, Hey, no, sorry, I'm not wearing a headset. Just go away. Right. You know, the, the, there are better ways to, to leverage tech for what we can do. Carrie swinging it to you. Do you have any examples of how one of your Salesforce wealth manager clients leveraged technology to improve their overall service? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things that we're seeing with a number of our, our leading customers is, you know, thinking about the service dimension and I guess throwing it back to data, right? And leveraging our capabilities with Tableau, which is, of course, now part of the Salesforce portfolio. And we've seen a number of wealth uh, management firms around the globe really leveraging um, Tableau CRM as a way to deliver a better service experience within the product. We have a next best action piece of functionality, which we hear from our customers is really helpful in terms of delivering a best, best in class service experience, really knowing who to call or when to contact someone with what kind of information and what kind of context wrapped around it. So I think, you know, we think about that, that theme of service, but really delivering it in a way that's very relevant, very personalized. I think that comes up as, you know, the strongest use case that we see from our large and our mid-sized wealth management customers on, on bringing um, our capabilities and leveraging it for their, the benefit of their advisors and ultimately their clients. I would say also too, threading on that, that use of data as well is that, you know, as we think about that service dimension too, is, you know, how can data be used as an asset for someone who's leading a team of advisors or a branch manager, you know, and that's been an area of focus for us as well. We've had a number of our customers leverage our technology to really identify what they see as best in class trends um, from a practice management point of view, which, you know, would include service, right? And saying, okay, wait, this is really, this approach is really working well. How do I scale that out to other advisors as part of my team as well? So we can improve the service experience that we're delivering our clients as well. And then I think about, you know, kind of where the future is headed, thinking about a service, you know, modern collaboration from my perspective really sits front and center of all of that, right? We are thinking about kind of new ways of working, thinking about new ways of delivering that great service experience. So, you know, certainly for us at Salesforce, bringing in Slack to really help elevate what we've already built on our service technologies as well. We're seeing really great success there as firms are saying, wait, we've got to collaborate with each other across offices, across teams, across regions in different ways to really deliver um, a better service experience. And I think what we're seeing is that is being really helpful. Again, going back to that, that theme of connecting front, middle, back office, because I think service is an area where I think traditionally the advisor and maybe their, their initial support team was delivering all the service. And what we're seeing from our customers is that they're saying, can we have a bigger, broader solution? Because we need to have more people rallied around delivering and supporting service so that the advisors can spend more time on those higher value activities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And fueling that with data and that when you've got a, much, a bigger organization focused on delivering wealth management services, that you're going to have more technology, you're going to have more infrastructure there, more tools for the wealth advisors to use. And like I said, more data coming into that, and that data then fuels the analytics that lets you think, how are we providing the service? What is what are the, what are the things we're not thinking about yet? And the data can, can help to point those things out. Christian, just thinking about how you began with a blank slate to try to address some of this and, and on the, the whole topic of getting better with digital, um, but still in getting that right balance between the digital and the human and wealth management uh, with what you're doing with pattern. How have you approached being best in class for the parts of the pattern value proposition that are tech-led, such as the, the robo-advisor component? How, how have you approached that? Yeah, great question. So I would say I kind of have a unique perspective because I started out in traditional wealth management and moved to the robo-dark side. And I would say that, you know, one thing in kind of thinking about this first generation of robo-advising and where it's going and where we need to improve to really be a great steward of folks' finances, especially people that maybe have more than a couple hundred bucks account, is that we really need to get the, the human element right. So for instance, you know, I think something that we commonly hear when we're interviewing folks is that 
it's impossible to get a hold of anyone when you're trying to do anything on a robo-advisor. And really, you know, kind of, I would say, meeting that piece and building trust amongst kind of this new kind of robo-advising generation. Because if we don't get that trust piece right, we won't be able to I be a good steward of folks' finances and, and really build the next, hopefully, generation of robo-advising products. So I would say getting that piece really right is really one of our, our biggest focus areas. And it's not really sexy, but I mean, people really build trust with their with their clients. And it's an element that we need to get right as we scale technology as well. Okay. Interesting. And just thinking about some of the services beyond the core investments function, Rory, to, to get your insights on this, do you think the degree to which a wealth manager specializes in a specific area? Obviously, you'd like all of them to be able to do investments, insurance, tax, and estate planning. But do you, do you think the degree that they specialize determines whether they're more digital or they're more human in what they deliver right now? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, a great question, Pete. Um, if you're a wealth manager, I mean, it, it depends on what end of the spectrum you're on. Like, you have to kind of understand that, like, for a lot of, you know, the smaller, medium-sized wealth managers, they have this very personal relationship with their clients that's a bit like akin to, like, a doctor or a physician. They know everything about their family. They know everything about their the generations before them. And it's not like they're, you know, slinging, you know, whatever comes along. It becomes the the solutions that they build for their their clients emerges after years of these relationships. This is at one end of the spectrum anyway. So I think they may specialize in investments, for example, but then they might have like a stable of people they referred them to for tax purposes or for insurance. I think generally they do tend to specialize. The majority specialize in, you know, in managing portfolios. And then they kind of tend to refer that on the rest of that work to, to other areas because the mechanics of it is just too complex for a small organization to deal with. So I think that creates an opportunity then at the other end of the spectrum for robo advisors. And you're seeing a lot more of them that are sort of doing wealth management, but they're starting to add on tax services. They're starting to add on insurance and they're starting to add on all these other services that, you know, traditional wealth managers tr struggle to scale. So I think technology is, is a huge enabler there of that, creating greater share of wallet, you know, as it were, for, for those robo-advisors. So Absolutely. that would be my perspective on it. Okay, I hear you. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you, you pointed out to me in the past, Rory, in some of our separate chats that, it, you know, it's really about getting to know your customers and, and that if you have an area that you specialize in, but, and that happens to be something that requires a lot more offline work, mm -hmm. such as, the, you know, tax planning, estate planning, then you're going to be a more human-delivered service by nature. and adapting that to the digital world now is is pretty important. Joe, you and I talked about the lengths to which a, a wealth manager may go to learn about their customers, such as, you know, perhaps aping in on their Facebook or Instagram profiles. What do you think might be a more effective way to do this? I mean, you've mentioned some other things about open banking before that I thought were interesting to get to know your customers. Yeah. So I think, I mean, like the direction of travel here is to have ambient, seamless financial services that sit across all the different current sort of pillars that exist, right? And I think for too long, financial services have sat in a kind of, is it banking? Is it wealth? Is it retirement? Is it insurance uh, type of conversation? And I think the the winners, and I don't think it's very far off, the winners over the next three to five years are going to be the guys that can actually pull themselves above those and then start to use all the data that comes into them to actually nudge the client into a direction of travel that makes sense for that particular client. So it's very hard, I think, to really understand or provide advice from a robo's advisor's perspective, because actually they have no idea of the, the bank account, how much money they have at the end of every month. Are they insured? Do they have a retirement pot, et cetera, et cetera. So I think 
think we need to pull it up a level. I think the idea of this wealth hub, which kind of sucks everything in and then starts to, you know, truly advise the client, but the data has to be there, right? The, the data is going to be the absolutely critical part of it. And so you start to get a holistic view of kind of your financial services to the ecosystem. And rather than having like a spreadsheet, like you used to, you know, five or, you know, five or 10 years ago versus now where you've got a load of apps that do it, actually having one place where you can go to that understands you, that, you know, has all the, all the accounts feeding in that you have in the various different parts of your life, to me, is going to be like the utopia that everyone wants to see because it'll be easy. And it, while it'll be complicated underneath, it'll be easy for the consumer to use. And that's ultimately what we want to achieve, right? We want to achieve that. Hey, everyone. This is Pete. Let me tell you about the folks at Philip Lee. A few years ago, I was at my first venture capital industry dinner in Dublin, and honestly, I felt a bit lost. I bumped into Andrew Tazali, one of the partners at Philip Lee. He bought me a pint and introduced me to the team, and they took me under their wing. That take-you-under-their-wing approach has been what I've heard consistently from fintech and crypto startups who I know have worked with Philip Lee in Dublin and London to help them wrap the right legal framework around their business, fundraising, and regulatory needs. And I can't recommend them enough. Get in touch with the team at philiplee.ie or on moneyneversleeps.ie slash philiplee to learn more. Going beyond wealth tech, guys, we're all kind of saying that we can do as much as we want on the data side, but that the human element is irreplaceable. What's the next step? right? Where do we go from here with wealth management? And I talked about St. James Place and, you know, rolling out the VR headsets to their teams for training purposes, but will that actually become using VR headsets to engage with people, engage with customers, clients digitally? I think that is, you know, perhaps on the horizon. I, I think the, the, the bigger rhetorical question is, will there always be a human element, even when we're all like in the book, Ready Player One in the year 2045, spending all of our uh, free time in a virtual reality world called the Oasis. Okay. I think that naturally, if you are going to be in a virtual reality world, sorry, you do need the headset and you will need the goggles. But I think there's some interesting bridges to that that we'll talk about in a minute. But Christian, what do you think that next version of engagement actually looks like? Is it this VR themed relationship between advisors and customers, or is that just one bridge too far? Okay, so I actually, I think I'm going to surprise everyone with my answer. So we did a ton of research because, you know, building that financial advising muscle in-house on top of that software level, that's like our biggest struggle. How do we get that really right and that customer experience really right where people still feel like their needs are being met if they have more than, you know, $500,000 of investable assets with us? And very interestingly, you know, we did, we asked people, again, kind of those thousands of, of folks, do you want to have a call? Would you like to come in? What does that experience look like? And overwhelmingly, I think it was 78% of respondents in our target market. They actually only wanted to be able to message or text folks through the app. They didn't want calls. They didn't want Calendly links. That was actually a major kind of point of friction. They wanted on demand. I want to be able to text this person immediately. And when I go back into my phone in an hour, see a response. So I actually don't see that as, as becoming, and you know, we'll see, right? Sometimes the data is very different than when you're live and you're actually having interactions with folks. It's actually like, wait, I, I really want this. I just didn't know how to articulate it. So I think that actually looks like taking a step back and it looks like an yeah. all digital kind of messaging platform, at least for now. I, I yeah, I, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. I mean, we don't have to go, we don't have to go fully digital if people aren't ready for it. Right. And that I talked to my wealth advisor a couple of times a year. I actually just emailed him this morning on something 
that I needed his help with. And he responded by email and he helped me by email and that worked just fine. And if he was, although he hates crypto and he, he points that out to me um, <laughs> from time to time, you know, I, it, it's, it's something where depending upon the, the level of engagement that you have with your wealth advisor, there's going to be ways that are just easier to do things. Carrie, Rory, Joe, just maybe all chime in here. What are some of the things that you're seeing in the market, either on the human side or on the digital side that you think are the more innovative types of solutions that, that are coming to market or just habits or good practices that you're seeing wealth managers do in the space? Yeah, look, I think the virtual way of, you know, engaging is here to stay. But I do think there is a need for that human connection. I think what we've been seeing, you know, with the customers that we've been working with is that the relationship between the firm, the advisor, and ultimately the client has become much more personal through this, you know, unprecedented time in terms of, you know, clients going to their advisors with very personal needs, you know, from you know, how do I help my elderly parents? How do I, you know, I might have a job loss in my household. How do I navigate through that? Um, certainly thinking about just, I think a deeper array of very personal issues has really come to the fold. And I think digital can't be the replacement for that, right? So I think that that human level of dialogue is just going to deepen. And I think it's actually been enabled because there's so much digital capabilities. So those easy to answer questions that you might've had to go to an advisor for in the past, get self-service through a digital channel. And therefore, you're then engaging with your advisor in a deeper, richer, you know, more emotional way than ever before. Because I think money and financial matters are very personal, lots of complexity associated with them. So I think advisors who can really embrace that new way of supporting their clients, I think they're going to come up ahead. Absolutely. I hear you. Joe or Rory, any, any insights on that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, just to kind of add to, you know, Carrie's point there, like, I mean, and Christian's point, I think there's two things. It just depends on, on your, on your market. Our experience is it just depends on who you're dealing with because there's a certain segment in the market that only want to do text message. They only want to do WhatsApp and there's others who want to meet face to face. And really it's like online banking. Like, it's just like, you know, there's still, you know, it, it's people who are more comfortable with engaging online with services than going to meet that person face to face. So I think that like wealth managers need to think about who their market is and they need to think about how they engage with those clients, you know, uh, based on what their client, the consumers actually want. You know, I think there are things, concepts and, and themes right now around building a, a digital HQ, which, you know, I think is a really interesting idea within wealth managers where they're not so much fo focused on, you know, building this physical HQ. It's like how they can build their own services around this digital HQ and their company. I think that is an area that we're, we're talking to a lot of clients about around how they can communicate, how they can share information in this digital world. Because before it used to be over a water cooler or a cup of coffee, but now you've got this, these blockages of information flowing within organizations. So creating a digital HQ creates that free flow. So that's an, that's an area of innovation that doesn't involve, you know, getting your VR headset on, but you can really improve the communication within companies. So that's, you know, that's, that's a concept, but I, I think the St. James's place idea around the Oculus headsets is really, really interesting. And I think that they're obviously very, very well known in the UK market and beyond. So I think uh, you, you're going to see more of that, but then you need to have somebody perhaps at the other end, you know, who's engaged in that experience as well. They're, 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 they're consumers, they're clients. So, you know, and that's going to be, again, a certain segment of the market that's going to respond to that. So, okay. And Joe, what are, what are you seeing? You know, St. James Place is right there in your backyard, but what, what are some of the other things you're seeing? Yeah. So I think, I mean, listen, we're, 
like so covid was a you know a, a horrendous situation for many but actually from a digital wealth management perspective or just from financial services personal financial services it's been kind of it's probably like moved the industry forward faster than it ever would have done which i think is a, a huge you know kind of silver lining out of what was a pretty awful um time for people so i think we have to build on that i think there are several things the first thing is we have to actually properly work out how we engage people. And I think we've been really bad in wealth management about doing this. The analogy I always give is the car. You know, the, the engine of the car is the most important part, i.e. The, the investment product that powers, you know, what, what you do. But people don't go and buy engines, they go and buy cars. And so I think that's really important. We need to move away from focusing too much on the investments and focus on the customer and his outcome and that sort of stuff. I think we can learn a lot from other industries about how this works. You know, and you think about, you know, how many, how many of the apps that you see in financial services are like truly compete with some of the other apps that you spend more, more and more time on. I think the other, the other item is just personalization. And I think that will come when we get data. But, you know, if you think about your interactions as well with, with many other uh, brands that you do on a day-to-day -day basis, it kind of knows who you are and it knows what you want to see or listen to, or, you know, go on holiday or wherever it may be. So. Like, I think there's just, there's like, it, it stepped forward quite a long way, but I still think there's more to do around that, which I think is, 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 is like the next step in the evolution, right? So, I, so I just urge people not to rest on their laurels off the back of, you know, the, the, the COVID crisis, but actually to continue to push forward because otherwise I think there will be this situation where you've got traditional firms that, you know, kind of like didn't move quickly enough and the incumbents. Mm -hmm. Sorry, and, and, and new firms that come in, you know, who really have got it, really have got how you operate in a, you know, in, in, a, in a modern world. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And I, I could go on and on on that topic and, you know, where things are headed for the next 10 years. And we, we'll, we'll come back to that. But this was just a conversation I was having with someone yesterday on the insurance side and saying that I'm seeing already uh, smart contract led insurance policies in crypto. And seeing your holdings insured obviously and being done without an intermediary involved and also seeing in another segment of crypto real world assets backing some liquidity pools and i won't get too technical or complicated into any of this because i know some a lot of this goes right over people's head but being able to bring things things such as consumer credit bring things such as invoices and discounting invoices and real estate securitization and bring all that into the decentralized finance environment and how quickly that space can move and seeing some of the players that may need to catch up to that. I don't think, you know, some may be able to, but not everybody will, but I think we have enough of a demographic split on the types of things that I'm talking about that people not, may not be that comfortable with, right? And completely letting go. I am comfortable with completely letting go, but not, not everybody is. And I, I think we have enough of a demographic split for this to have a long arc of transformation here to how people engage with their with their own wealth. I you know think about the virtual reality experience. I think there are some steps along the way to get to that path. All of us here are engaging right now via Zoom. I think we're only at the very beginnings of how that can change. You know, in that we see filters on Zoom right now. This is a blur of a digital background. Why can't that be a screen that comes up that my financial advisor puts up in front of me that we both can look at? that sees a graph in real time of how my financial situation would change if I retired at the age of 58 rather than 62, right, or whatever the case may be. And being able to engage with some of these augmented reality type scenarios, I think that's something interesting to watch and that I'd like to see some providers get their heads around. With that, we've got a couple of good questions that came up from the crowd that I just wanted to see if we could address here. The first one being, 
from Peter Goral. So he is on his second generation wealth advisor, the son of the guy that he worked with for over 30 years and have managed everything online for the past five years. His trust was built with his dad and he simply carries the torch despite technology managing the data. How do we get the boomers to be comfortable with that? Right. I, I think it's, you know, I, I was talking to someone yesterday who came and bought a stereo that I was getting rid of in his house. And I said, listen, I'll pay over Revolut. It's like, I can't do that. And, you know, they, there's, and, and it's something that is so easy. It doesn't even have the Revolut app, which is absolutely fine. So people choose not to do that. But the situation Peter's talking about is having that trust built with a wealth advisor and keeps things going, you know, even though technology is behind the scenes. Any thoughts on, on how we might get that demographic, you know, the one beyond Gen X comfortable with all this? Any views on that? I think just, just show them value, right? Stop trying to show that, you know, like, you know, sometimes I think we, we think about too much. Like we think about the, the VR, the VR headset that you sent to the, the baby boomers who said, you know, it's too much, it's too far. Yeah. I just, I just make it easy for them. Like the ability for them to book review meetings via an email portal that then automatically sends them a zoo, like that sort of thing where they don't need to then travel to an, a wealth manager's office or, you know, they're used to doing zoom. They're used to doing that sort of stuff. So I, I think bring it about slowly, you know, it's kind of super important. Like how do we use like open finance to help them with their tax returns? Like all that sort of stuff is going to be really, really important for them rather than like, I don't know, often I think, you know, like some of the conversations we can have go way too far and it's actually the utility of like helping with a real problem, a job to be done, right? Yep. I think as well, a, a really big part of this training and education, you know, I can't underestimate. I think a lot of companies really underestimate the, 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 the fear or, you know, the people have around using technology. And I think there's this assumption that everyone can just pop a, you know, a headset on and log into this and use that, but probably about like 80, 90% of consumers are afraid of technology. Yeah. You know, they, they just, it's not that they don't want to use it. It's just, they don't know how, and they, you know, they, maybe they're a bit embarrassed or they've heard some stories from their peers about difficult situations. So think really, you know, to create a great experience, it's about that full customer uh, life cycle. And um, that starts off with education. And then once they know the, the practicalities of driving a car, then they can step into it and start driving it. So I think education is critical. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Got another question here for Christian, for the clients that you talked about that were messaging only, what are some of the best practices you're seeing from the technology side to enable that? Okay, I might need help with this. So I think what this person is asking is, are there good tools for financial advisors to use to enable this right now? And actually, I'm sorry, I don't know the, the answer to that because I'm more inclined on the building apps and enabling it from kind of one software perspective for pattern. So does anyone have great tools or that they would recommend for messaging? Oh, I mean, I'm certainly happy to jump in, you know, certainly as part of the portfolio of, of capabilities that we have, you know, just in terms of messaging, we've seen a number of our wealth management customers leverage the capabilities of Marketing Cloud, which provide, you know, very well branded messaging tracks across, you know, email websites and social to really help advisors deliver really great, you know, brand, ex brand compliant as well as regulation compliant experiences really across all those channels. I think also we see, you know, a lot of value. We integrate with a lot of content providers into our, into our ecosystem. So that, that coupled together, I think that's always the challenge too, as for any advisors, they want to have a, a steady stream of valuable information going out to their clients and prospects. So 
that's an important part of how we integrate with a number of news providers and other content sources as well to bring that all to bear. I gotcha. Makes sense. That makes sense. And I, there, there's a couple of folks out there that I know that are doing a really good job of looking at this cross-channel communication that you have with customers and saying that from a compliance perspective, every communication you have needs to be tracked. So you can't just have wealth advisors just randomly going off and what's happening everybody, unless that ha- we have some way to track that. And that can be, that can be contained. So that, that's, that's definitely something to think about. Another question from John Feinstein here. We're seeing some sub-verticals within the wealth management space, such as those aligned with insurance companies or banks. They want to continue to extend certain in-person ceremonies or activities. As a result, there needs to be a strategy and a sensitivity to developing technology that also supports a hybrid approach. For example, in Ireland, for example, there is still a requirement for a trust document for anything that would constitute a trust to be signed in wet ink, right? And that is a in-person ceremony. There are also in-person ceremonies in crypto custody for people to have their private key generated and then stored away in cold storage. Right. So we're, we're, we're not completely there yet. So, you know, any, any thoughts or insights on having a technology that also supports this type of hybrid approach where you can have these physical world requirements still fulfilled? I mean, most of them, I mean, you know, like I, I, I can see the, the wet signature piece being the major one. Right. But I think, you know, if there were any, you know, COVID generally tried to, you know, get rid of them. Otherwise it was almost impossible to do anything in that environment. You know, some stuff that exists in the asset management industry around two signatures for various different things. Like there are, there is some stuff, right. But I think, you know, generally speaking, there's not too many barriers to entry now in and around this stuff, you know, and if there is like the regulator seems, you know, pretty keen that as long as it's done in a safe and secure way, you know, they will kind of allow or find a route around it. So I think if that's the question. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think, I think the biggest, the, the biggest problem for me, you know, potentially, right, like, is, is th- there's no one size fits all with for for what uh, people are trying to do uh, with their businesses, right? And so that's where I think it's really important to have kind of agile tech. You know, you can't be trying to be a, you know, a really interesting consumer digital robo advisor play if your core banking systems are sixty years old. So I think like you've got to get like everything in order and in place to allow for, you know, for example, if you need certain type of, you know, automated signatures, yeah, there's lots of things that can do that. You just need to be able to make sure you interact with it and bring it into the right part of your business. And you can't do that if you're not working on, you know, technology that can deliver that. Absolutely. I hear you. I think we got to, We're going to move to one more question there on regulation, but given that we're, we're nearly out of time here and we, we did have Lewis who gave us a very good summary of everything. And at the end of that summary that he's kindly provided, he's also given us one last question, which is nearly exactly the same as my final question for all of you. So I will just paraphrase that all together and say that what's the one thing from each one of your kind of favorite areas of wealth management that you would like to see go digital, you know, within the next year to 18 months? I'll go first. Open, I, I bring what's happening in open banking into the rest of financial services. Absolutely. Open finance. I'm with you. Rory, do you want to go? Oh, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's always a, a challenging question. I think that I don't think there is particularly a quick win. I think, you know, I think something I said before was about an, uh, maybe it involves a headset stepping into their future selves to understand where they'll be in, you know, 10 to 20 years time, their financial reality, like financial time machine. 
you know, maybe that could be done, you know, using some of the technologies we, we, we mentioned today. But I think that like there's like a root and branch change needed in a lot of these sort of, you know, smaller companies, you know, to become more digital, to deliver that experience. We've mentioned Wealthfront before and Wellsimple and these types of companies that are just delivering, you know, amazing digital experiences through apps and stuff like that. So. You know, I think uh, a quick win could actually be combining the uh, robo-advisor technology platforms with that traditional approach, you know, and I think offering that to clients. So I think that maybe Christian, you could probably add something to that. Yes. So we're, we're pre-launch. So I'd like to see pattern launch. That's my yeah. biased answer. Okay. <laughs> so, so that is uh, one thing to move this industry more quickly is pattern getting launched. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. I'm with you. Carrie, what do you think? Yeah, look, I'm going to thread back to my earlier comment. I'd love to see front, middle, and back office business processes become fully digitized. I think, look, it's important to have all these like great innovations, slick interfaces, great portals. But at the end of the day, if there's a lot of manual processes happening behind the scenes, it's going to compromise the experience. It's actually going to challenge the industry in terms of recruiting that next generation of talent that we so desperately need to have really coming into the space. So uh, future of work is here. That's a... That's a great point, Kerry. I mean, in, in bringing people in that are providing these services, you want to provide the working environment and tools that they're used to in their everyday life. If they have to sit down with some old school tech, they're not going to enjoy their job very much. You want to give them the best tools in their hands to be able to do this. We are just about out of time, folks. I just want to wrap up by saying that we started off this with a goal of trying to get to the bottom of how do we fit all this together to accelerate the next level of digital wealth management. I think what we're hearing is that to do that very basic job within wealth management, which is to help people preserve and grow their wealth, that it takes all kinds and it takes all different types of tools. Um, that we can use, whether that be digital or human and getting to know your customers in a, 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 the best way that you can, depending upon the comfort level of that customer with engaging with you in different ways. So I'd like to thank everybody for joining today and especially the crowd and coming with us on this journey. And I'd also like to thank Rory Galvin and Kerry Ryan from Naviran and from Salesforce respectively, and Christian from Pattern and Joe from BlackRock for coming on to this show with us today uh, and sharing your insights so fluently. Really appreciate it. Just be just before we close out, Pete, just keep an eye out for the next Finsights events, which will be coming up sometime late winter, early spring. So just thanks to everybody for, for showing up today. Absolutely. And yes, indeed. Thank you for mentioning that, Rory. Have a wonderful rest of your day or night, wherever you may be. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. That does it for this week, folks. Links to get in touch with Rory Galvin from Navirum, Kerry Ryan from Salesforce, Christian Maynard Phillip from Pattern, and Joe Parkin from BlackRock are in the show notes on our website, moneyneversleeps.ie. So check us out online and subscribe to our Money Never Sleeps newsletter as well. Also, thanks to Conan Brophy from Create Sound for mixing and editing this episode. Conan is an excellent media man to get in touch with when you're thinking about launching your own podcast. As for me, I'm an early stage startup investor and advisor focused on where fintech meets crypto and crypto meets Web3. If you'd like to talk to me about your business, drop me a line on info at moneyneversleeps.ie. Finally, till next time, thanks for listening. See ya.